My folks, my folks, my folks. <laughs> Yo, we are back, man. We back. It, it feel, it feel, you know, it, it feels like when you when you uh when you miss a week, it's like you miss like ten episodes or something. Oh, hi guys. Yeah, man. How's everybody doing today? Doing well. <laughs> doing blessed and highly favored. Holly. Yeah. Uh, living. He rose. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because you know you you could not be amongst the living. Come on, don't have church in it. <laughs> don't don't encourage me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what's what's happening? What's keeping out y'all up late at night, folks? If you in this audience, what's keeping you up late at night? Say hello in the audience if you're here with us. Uh, H, what's keeping you up late? You know, I've been getting my rest. I haven't felt my best the last couple of days. So nothing's keeping me up. I'm 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 on the tea and I'm on the cough drops and I'm on the Tylenol. The, I took a COVID test, a home one, thanks to the president and the ones that came to my home and they came up negative. But I haven't been I've been getting my sleep. I haven't felt my best. But um, yeah, that's what's up. Yeah. Hey, you know what they're saying is, and, and everybody that's going uh, <clears throat> to the doctor now, they're being diagnosed with a positive flu test. And so now all of a sudden, oh. yeah, now all of a sudden, instead of having COVID, everybody's getting the flu. And so, um, I don't know, I'm a, I, I, Doc, you, you're a conspiracy theorist. What do you think is happening? I am. Well, one, <laughs> all these people running around waving their mask, taking their mask off, is going to further exacerbate the flu-like conditions. <laughs> 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 no, I know. I was just telling y'all, I got to get on a plane to go to Atlanta on Thursday. Man, I'm almost with all them people with no mask on. Man, I'm gonna have four masks on. Like, oh no, I'm good on that. Like, so y'all, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm gonna need the mask people to donate to uh, Biden's campaign so he'll uh, fight harder for this because. I was actually surprised that they uh, did that because I was just in Atlanta last week and on the plane, I had my mask on like, and everybody else did. Yeah. Uh, but it's I was so surprised. I'm wearing my mask on Thursday, 6 a.m. when I get on that bird. Yeah. I don't care how many other people got their mask off. I'm going to just look at them sideways and be like, mm, all right, well, I guess you're trying to get the COVID because <laughs> it's still out there. Like COVID round the corner. Yeah, it's been a forty talking about what up though. You know what I mean, like, <laughs> folks. If you're in, if you're in the audience, if you, you know you uh, Biden, not Biden. I'm sorry, judge in Florida, a Trump elect, uh, a Trump, uh, a Trump judge, Trump appointed judge. Yeah, decided that uh, the the C uh, what is what the hell? The CDC, CDC, the CDC was overreaching when they made the mask mandate. And so uh, this judge has now said that the mask mandate is illegal and uh, the planes, uh, do, airports and, and uh, all the service hubs for transportation no longer have to, uh, no, no, no longer can mandate masks. And so if you're in this audience, how you feel when you fly, are you still wearing masks? 
H, what's happening? You still wearing? You still gonna wear a mask? Well, I, I am. I ordered some additional ones yesterday through Prime. Look, Doc is modeling proper mask usage right now for those who are looking at the small screen. Cover you your nose and it. your mouth. Yes, <clears throat> all right the around way. Here. Beautiful. Good. Well done. So I listen. The problem. I saw a post that said, "What would happen if I took my family to the zoo?" And then they decided to open up the cages where the animals are, with the, huh. as if to compare it, right? Yeah. Because imagine if you were immune compromised, you had a young person with you who was not eligible to old enough to receive the vaccine, and you decide to make a trip. And in the middle of that trip, they decide to take the mask off and wave them around. Yeah. You kind of feel as though you... If I had known that, or if the family had known that, they may have made a different choice around how they were going to get to where they were going. And so now you put people in a box that they now have to be exposed or potentially exposed for something like just to make a point. And I was thinking to myself, I was kind of playing what would happen in my head as my family and I continue to wear our mask. And someone says, well, why do you have your mask on? You don't have to anymore. Because that's going to happen. People feel such um, authority and, and such entitlement to question and ask and, and act as though because you have decided to make a choice that that is in some way a <clears throat> that they have a voice in and they get to make a comment about. So yeah, we still masked over here. I just, I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't know why something that I do to protect myself That's right. is a problem for you. Listen, I'm gonna tell you something. We were walking from Banana Republic. Shout out to my son who is a, a uh, an employee at the Banana Republic at age sixteen. Hey, oh, hey, I need this. I was I was telling this kid the other day. I was like, man, sixteen dollars an hour. I, I didn't start making making sixteen dollars an hour until I graduated college. Dang. So, shout out to him at age sixteen making sixteen dollars an hour. But as I'm walking uh, to the store, walking in the store, this white woman is walking past me. And she gives us like a mean mug because we walking by and we have our masks on or whatever, and she doesn't, right? And so it took me a while to kind of understand why she was looking at me like that. And then, you know, as I put it together, it's like, damn, she's upset with me because I value my life, right? It's like these folks are going to be angry with us because we value our lives. It's like, yo, you don't know what I, you don't know what, what could be happening with me. I could be protecting you. I could have COVID right now That's and I'm, I'm right. out with my mask on or whatever, trying to protect you because, you know, these quarantine periods are like a day or two now or whatever. Right. And so I'm trying to protect you from getting COVID and you looking at me crazy because I'm trying to protect you. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I just know that, um, they still send these notices home for the kids at their school about these, these somebody has COVID. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, if you think of a school as a small airport in a small city, you mean to tell me I'm getting on a plane and somebody on there don't have COVID? Yeah. I'm like Betty. Betty like, oh, Sherry talking about because I want to. <laughs> What's yeah. to L? Come on, Sherry. Let me know. I get it. And then then we turn it. And yeah, I I was thinking to myself, I wanted to come up with something that was eloquently stated, but also checks them at the same time. Because, you know, I got to be prepared for that because otherwise I'll go bananas. And then you're like, now we got two dope podcasts, two times dope because Heather has assaulted somebody. 
because she wasn't feeling it when they hey, tried to look at her. Hey, we coming to get you out. We well, at least I'm, I'm, I'm coming to get you out. We got bail I money that. ready for you. You, I you, know, you know how the court, you know how the corporate folks act when you know they got to put their name on the line. <laughs> Man, we bailing oh, you out. Don't listen. I'm to coming to get you. Don't like, listen. To hey. I appreciate that, and it's so unfortunate. It's so unfortunate <sighs> because. Not only is it planes and, and folks who are going on vacation who are going to probably be with mm -hmm. other people in different states and cities, and you don't know what the transmission rate is for that. Yeah. But also on buses, we're still asking young people to go to school. They yeah. take public transportation. They're taking trains. They're yeah. taking buses. If I get into an Uber because I'm out of town and my Uber driver doesn't have a mask on, and I ask him to put a mask on and he refuses to take me, what am I supposed to do? Get out! Oh, I need to. I need to cancel the thing. They're probably going to charge me. I got to wait for another Uber. Like, who? Just keep your mask on for your own safety and for the. Or, or you know what you could do? You could give him a bad rating, and that would ruin the rest of his life. That, so that's so. a tip. Put that across the bottom. That's a tip, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> one. So, but so, but so, <laughs> all right. So, so let's let's do some numbers here, right? Yeah. So if we do some simple numbers, even the states with the lowest transmission, right? So like, let's say, for instance, uh, New York State. New York State has one of the lowest transmissions, and it's about 4.5% is the transmission rate, right? So if you, 4.5%, you on a, you, you, you on a 190, a, a plane, right, with about 200 people, then it's pretty safe to say there's like eight people on that plane, at least, That's right. that have COVID. That's right. right. And so if you have a, a, a and they could be sectioned all over that plane. That's right. Right. Think about that. Right. Yeah. And so if they're sectioned all over the plane. Then that means that there's a pretty good chance that 200 people are going to get off that plane with COVID if they don't have masks on. Yeah. And I and that's simple common sense. Right. We just we, we just walked and talked ourselves through that. So if you're not I, nah, nah, I'm wearing my mask. <laughs> if you on vacation. Yeah. You, you go, you leave New York, you and the family decide to go to Bahamas. Yeah. You go to Bahamas, you wearing your mask, the other people on. You yeah. got a test to get back you in the test to get back to the States. Right. So now yeah. I've been safe. They swab my nose the day before I leave my country. Yeah. And now I'm positive, and now I got to stay for three more days until I get a negative test. What am I and you got to pay for that, right? You got to pay, oh. pay for that. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> Then we'll be going to Bahamas to get right. <laughs> yeah, hey, man, you ain't, you ain't coming to get me from the Bahamas. You're coming to get me from DR. I'm going. <laughs> uh, do they have a test to get back in, or they? Just... Yeah, yeah, no, you still got a test to get back okay, in. I, I know. All right, so y'all taking your masks off. All right. Uh, so next thing, right? Who who setting this up? Doc, <laughs> my fingers on my nose. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so there was. Uh, so I want to give full context, right? I've had experience running schools and, uh, I actually banned police on floors and had this ongoing battle, uh, doing this. Right. And there was a video on Twitter of a young man, uh, being detained, uh, in, I think Syracuse, right? Yeah. Was it Syracuse, uh, yeah. where, it was like four police officers. The young man couldn't have been no more than 11, 12. He was a young, like a kid. And this all happened because of 
an allegation of him stealing something, right? And when I saw it, I was just scratching my head like, wait, wait, wait. First of all, I'll come back to the school and the cops in schools, right? But it took four police officers for this 12-year-old? Like, this dude come up to their kneecaps. Like, he, he wasn't even that tall. And for me, the trauma that you would experience at 12 of having that type of experience with the police mirrors the reaction that I have as an adult. So just imagine if I have a visceral reaction to the police, even now when I see them pulling up behind me or I'm riding past and I just get real, I just get tense. I couldn't even imagine what the 12 year old uh, feels. So extrapolate that out to schools where they're policing schools and it's an ongoing debate, right? And I remember my first job at Drew Middle School in Detroit, we had police in schools, metal detectors, x-ray machines, the whole nine. So that the eternal question for many folks in schools is, and in education is, do police belong in schools? Because many schools in urban districts in particular have police. I think everywhere, like even in suburban schools, right? I don't know. I haven't spent no, a lot sir. of time in a suburban no, school. Sir. No? no, sir. No, sir. I'm going to have to look that up. Look it up. Look it up. Google it. Do whatever you need to do. Google, <laughs> Google, Google Scholar it. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm in a suburban school and we ain't got no cops. And, and ain't no cops ever coming to my... If a, if a cop... If I got to put cops in a school that I'm working in, I'm no longer working in that school. It's time for me to leave education and go into higher ed. Because I'm, I'm not doing that. But what I will say is this. Yeah. Given what I've seen in the last... 72 hours, right? Yeah. You got, you got the, uh, the, 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 the 90 shots at the Airbnb in Pittsburgh. Yeah. These are all teenagers, by the way, right? Teenagers, <laughs> teenagers, hundreds of teenagers renting out an Airbnb. You got uh, kids in the, in, in the Bronx and all throughout New York City airing out the city, right? And these guns are like ghost guns. You can't even like if you if you find the bullet the bullets at the scene, you can't even trace it back to a gun because these guns are, are ghost guns. These are three D made guns that are still highly powerful and will kill you dead or whatever, right? And so now you got guns that could get into schools and they, they can get past metal detectors, right? And so crazy uptick in violence amongst young people. How else are we going to protect these young people? Because at the end of the day, kids got parents send their kids. When I send my kid to school, when I used to send my kid to school, I wanted him to come back home the way I sent him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of parents want their mm-hmm. kids, every parent wants their kid to come home the way that they sent them. Mm-hmm. And so as a school leader, and we all, uh, me current and you guys former, what's that conversation like when you got to talk on the phone with a parent and tell a parent, hey, you know, mm. you sent your kid to me in order for me to protect your child. And I'm sorry to inform you, but your child is no longer with us due to gun violence in school. Yeah, I get I get everything that you're saying. And I want young people and schools to be safe. I want them to be places of healing and love and joy and not violence. But there's three things. The first is that particular incident with that young man 
that those officers weren't protecting him or anybody else. They were protecting currency. They were protecting mm. a bag of potato chips that was $1. Mm. The second thing is he was a child. He was 12, 11 years old. And what the, the bigger point is, what kind of message are we sending about young people when they make mistakes? His, the, the, with the clip I saw said the officer is confronting a bystander who says, yo, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And he says, well, I'm protecting you. What happens if he breaks into your house? We are all better than our worst mistake. And so the fact that he is already condemning a 12-year-old kid, be he black, brown, white, a boy, a girl, whatever, says something about the vision and the scope of a police officer that he can't see this as an opportunity to, to help, to support, to provide an intervention, to build a relationship, to buy the boy a bag of chip, to, to talk with him instead of criminalizing him in front of his peers. Then on the next block say, oh, well, you know, we're here to help you. You're not. You don't, you're not trying to be a part of the situation in a way that is productive and lets me know that I can trust you. Now, when it comes to schools, right? And I get the whole gun thing, right? I don't, I remember I had a student <laughs> um, and they were doing like surveys around safety. And they asked her if one of the questions was like, do you feel safe in your school, in your hallways, in the bathroom, in your community? And she said she felt safer in school than in the other places. And so the person was like, well, tell me why. And they said, because I know Miss Principal Harris is not going to let nothing happen to me. <laughs> there was a way that she had already positioned herself that in this school, I am safe because I understand why we do things. I trust the adults. I'm not questioning what they say. My adults are making decisions. Me, the custodian, the security officers, the counselors are all making decisions to keep our school and the young people safe. Now, of course, things happen, right? But my question to you is, where is... What block and city can we find the, the, the place where they're producing all of these big, amazing guns? Like, where, they're coming from other, where, where are they coming from? Are we producing them in this country? Because if not, then we need to ask another question. So that's, not, that's really, we stop talking about why the guns got to the kids and ask why the guns got in the country. So, <laughs> no, 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 no. So with these ghost guns, like, these are like 3D plastic guns, and they are, they're being ordered over, over the internet. And so that you order these things over the internet <clears throat> and just like, you know, like, so gun salesmen, they are gun. They, they look for max profit. Like these folks are looking for max profit. They, they, they don't, they, they're not concerned with, uh, with, with who gets killed or whatever, especially if it's black, if it's black and brown people that are being killed, they don't give a shit about that. They could care less about that conversation you're going to have with your parents. Yeah. What we do is we got to start holding them accountable. We got to invite them to these meetings. Yeah, but we've, we've, we've tried to do that. H, we've tried to do that. Every time there's a mass shooting, every time there's a mass shooting, you got Sandy Hill, um, um, uh, Connecticut, what was, what was, um, the, that was Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook, I'm sorry. And then in Florida, um, Park Parkland, Parkland, right? So, yeah. so, and, and these are these are massive killings of young people. And then when you go to Congress, like con Congress is so flooded with with money that's earmarked uh, through these guns or whatever. There's, there's never going to be gun legislation, right? If there was going to be gun legislation, it would probably would happen in in the nineties, right? It'll yeah. There's no gun legislation, but they're going to legislate what type of pencil I use for a test. Get out of here! Stop it! Although. I will say, and I've always said this as someone who is a legal gun owner, that if black people started buying guns, they would quickly change their gun laws in mass. 
like the Black Panther Party, right? And like, I have always said that to people when people like, well, you're, you're a gun owner? And I'm like, yes, I am. So don't try to come up in here. You... <laughs> and I go to the range. So like, I won't miss. Come so on. you, 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 bro, just because you go, wait, let's clarify here, right? Like, I hope that you are a good shot, right? But just because you go to the range doesn't make you a good shot, bro. It means you had some more practice. It's just it like means you had enough practice. practice. Yeah, but that doesn't make you a good shot. Well, what makes yeah. you a good shot? Making you a good shot is practicing. Right. So you practice. He's telling <laughs> you to practice on some real targets. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen, hey, hey, listen, man, you hey, you come up in these suburbs, boy. I'm gonna light your ass up. That's a fact. And I I believe I'm like you, hey, and there ain't gonna be ain't gonna be no remorse. Hey, protection of property. That's I'm I'm hellbent on that. You talk, hey, listen, listen. We go, hey, we I will give y'all constitutional one-on-one over here, boy. Woo! Right the bare arms. I, I I firmly believe that they would change the gun. And here's the thing, right? And I don't mean like no like shade or disrespect to like when they have mass shootings in the suburbs, but like black and brown children get shot every day. Yeah. And they're the same level of outcry doesn't happen. And I said to someone like if, if, if white children in Parkland, Columbine and other places getting shot doesn't move them, then like gun laws ain't gonna change. You know, you raise a very interesting point, right? Because I was I was listening to Morning Joe this morning as I was taking my son to, to class mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm listening to Morning Joe, uh oh matter of fact, no, I wasn't taking him to school. I was coming back from the gym. But as I'm listening to Morning Joe, I hear them interrupt and uh the, one of the stories that's like making headlines now, right, is that a, a woman in Queens, a mother of two, because you got you got to you, they frame these things, right? A white mother of two, um, apparently was 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 murdered, uh, by someone that she knows. We know that she lived in a Tudor home. If you know what like Tudor homes look like or whatnot, like beautiful homes, but like ritzy Queens, right? And so this is like major headlines and i think that it should be but i also think that uh the mother or a mother that gets shot in the bronx in the projects should should receive equal that's right the amount of 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 journalistic uh um coverage right and that doesn't happen because i'm pretty sure with the amount of gun violence that is happening in new york city right now you could have went to at least three to four other people that were murdered uh, in these last couple of weeks that have not seen that type of coverage, right? So, like, you'll see kids and white women that get a whole hell of a lot of coverage when they get murdered, right? Sure. But then regular people, like, black and brown people that die all the time at, like, egregious rates in these urban centers in the United States don't get any coverage. Right, right. So, I think so I don't know. I've never worked in a newsroom, but I would imagine that at some point someone would say, all right, here's the news that happened between this time and this time. And there's someone who gets to decide. 
the producer or the content creator and they'll say, okay, what are the stories that are going to capture the people? What are the buzzwords? What are the things that people care about? They care about gas prices. They care about inflation. They care about black lives. Mm, probably not so much. They got their little plaza down in DC, so they straight. They, so the people who are making the decisions about what things get prioritized, what things get coverage, what things get censored are not people who share the same that interest, concern, and commitment yeah. about those yeah. particular yeah. groups, no matter what they are. They're probably yeah. LGBTQ children who are being assaulted and bullied today. There's two weeks ago, I think it was last week, was like Black Women's Maternal Health Week. I didn't hear nothing about that, but what we know is that Black women and maternal health is a huge issue around mm -hmm. fertility, around all kinds of things that are happening as Black yeah. women are trying to have it. But we, because <clears throat> when we think about it, we can, we only got 15 minutes, and two of those minutes have to promote a new show, and the other minute has to promote a streaming device. And so when we decide what is important, it is going to be based on what we believe is important. Yeah, and that's the way, and that's why that's why we need more Black. We need more Black and Brown writers. We need more producers, more people in film. I think about that picture of, of Judge Kentaji Brown Jackson when she was standing up in the blue the first day and how all of the folks that were taking the picture of her were white. It was like the picture was from behind her so you could see her and yeah. all these women, because this was a historic moment. There were no black, I didn't see any black women crouched down on the floor taking the pictures. Well, there's a way that they are going to see and show and highlight and design content that highlights those stories. And if we don't do that, then we never will. Yeah. It won't be top news. No one will ever care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this I think this new this news uh that that uh El Michelle El Michelle was happening um is highlighting right now. I think they were funded by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he's suspect anyway. Right. <laughs> Right, and so when I heard that, I was like, "What?" Yeah, but like, but they were they were pour, pouring money into this, but like, I don't necessarily think that this was the best content out there for black people to be viewing about black people, you know? Like, but like, whatever happened to like the, the Roland Martins and like you know and, and folks of that ilk? Because I know he still has his show on uh, on YouTube, but it's like you know the only money that's being put behind that is the money that you know volunteers. Uh, uh, give to him in order for right. him to do that, right? But, but nobody's giving nobody has like a national platform. Well, besides Mark, Mark, Mark has a national platform, right? I mean, I, I just find that, um, there is a lack of honest media coverage about our <laughs> communities. That, um, no, you know, this I mean, question I, right here, yeah, uh, that question, at, yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, I, I don't, at least not in mass. Um, and that's the question, right? Will we, because I, I enjoyed uh, the Black News. Was it Black News BNC? Yeah. Yeah, like I, well, I, I guess a couple times. The other question was, what would it take for us to support instead of like, would we? Because then it turns into like, yes and no. And this is the same conversation that folks have, right? So if I'm in the newsroom with them and I'm like, well, what if we had more Black coverage? And they're like, well, anybody support it? No, then it shut down. So what if we frame the question? Hey, well, you know what? What would it take for people hey, to support? F Fox Soul, Fox Soul gives me a headache. <laughs> but what's the answer? What, what would it take for us to support our own news outlets? I, it would you, listen. It would have to be high quality content. It would have to be sure. engaging, engaging, yeah. but but not sambo ish. Right. Put uh, Beyonce, Cardi, and Megan on it and see who watch it. I'm not gonna watch it. You might not, but what I'm saying is the only one out of the the only the only person out of those two 
out of those three that you just named that can read is Megan. What I'm saying is that I'm not here to read. I say can read, bro. No, sir. <laughs> hey, shit, your boy. I, I, I don't. Yeah. So read <laughs> on grade level, like proficiency standards. I I'm not sure. I'm Googling that. I haven't seen her dibble scores, okay? I haven't Ooh. seen her running record. If I see her running record and her dibble score, then I'll know exactly what book level she's on and how to engage her by providing her with skills and literacy that is in her genre that she enjoys. But until I see her SRA data, I don't know. <laughs> hey, listen. Hey, listen. Man, hey, R. R. Kelly, hey, I don't want to bring him up, but Hey, he couldn't read, but he was talented. Like, you can have people that could be gifted in, in one area, but not be sure. able to read. Well, I wasn't saying that. I, I guess what I was saying is, I, I said think what it was is the support and the, that have to be more than just, we'd have to get people, I, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm certain that the answer is, that the question should not be, will they watch? But what would it take for them to watch? Because that yeah. comes into a way of solving problems being solution-oriented and trying to figure out a better way to control the narrative and elevate the messages that matter to us. You're right. Hey, listen, folks, if you're kicking it with us right now, please share this, like this, share this. Uh, Yeah. I usually don't don't really care because, like, we don't really do this for the numbers. We do this. I apologize to the Beehive. This is the way we come in and, and the way that we set up community. We have just logged off the show. So, like, you know what I'm saying? It is what it is. Messages. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So uh we we uh we never question other journalists' education from Yeah, nah, that's not true at all. Like I do a rundown of folks when they uh when they're giving us the news or whatever, right? I want to know what school you went to, I wanna know, I wanna know all these things, right? Like part of the reason why I don't pay Joe Scarborough any attention is because he went to the University of Alabama. Like <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have a lot of problems today when yeah. road tide, road, road tide, but like I don't yeah, I don't particularly care for people that come out of the University of Alabama. I'd rather Alabama AM or Alabama State or Auburn. <laughs> but that's just me. That's <laughs> Next, topic. Of it. Next topic. Next topic. <laughs> We're gonna be in trouble all with right. all the um, road tide. So so teacher of the year, uh a brother from uh the great state of Ohio. Great state of Ohio. Um, there's Great Lakes in Ohio, right? Um, what? Um, Lake Erie. Erie. What are you looking at? H, H, what's happening, buddy? They didn't teach geography in my school because they only wanted me to do reading and math. They Got took it. out all the sciences and the social studies. Understood, understood. But Lake Erie is definitely there. But anyway, um, so th- this fella, he says he doesn't teach, uh, he doesn't teach CRT. He just teaches history. And that he wants uh, all of his kids in his class to see themselves in his lessons. You dumbass. If you want all of your kids to see themselves in your lesson, then you, that's CRT, idiot. So what are y'all's thoughts on the new teacher of the year and like, what's happening? Well, I guess I think that... um... I thought he missed an opportunity to step into a conversation about race and his teaching. Like, I don't, 
I think people have conflated CRT with culturally relevant pedagogy <clears throat> theories around windows, mirrors, and doors that was from James Banks many years ago, multicultural education, but still relevant. Um, and I thought he took the bait, at least based on what I could read. And I don't know the brother. Now, I am from Detroit, so, you know, Ohio is, eh, I didn't even know they were a state in Ohio, but that's another story. Um, and certainly Columbus is not, I didn't even know they, it's a community college in Columbus, but that's another story <laughs> uh, for anybody from Ohio State, uh, shade intended. Uh, but uh, I, I just found his, he had an opportunity to be like Rodney Robinson and Kier <clears throat> And I just want to name that Rodney Robinson and Kier Butts uh, and there's a sister named Kimberly Worthy, who was, I think, Teacher of the Year in D.C. in 2009, who they understand their assignment. They yeah. understand that teaching is one of the most political acts that you can engage in in our democracy. Mm -hmm. To sidestep that is just a problem. And I felt like the brother sidestepped it a bit. But I also don't have enough context to blame him because I don't know what else was going on in the district and like people who are around him. But I will say people aren't teaching CRT in schools. People aren't using CRT as a framework to teach social studies and history in schools. Now, are they telling stories of people of color in history courses and social studies these days. There's actually been an increase in, in that, right? Whether it's Asian studies as a requirement in Illinois and other places, but that in and of itself is not critical race theory. As Gloria Ladson uh, Billings once said, culturally relevant pedagogy and culturally sustaining pedagogy is all just good teaching, mm -hmm. right? Like it's just, it's just quality practice in, in schools. So, I wasn't that disappointed in in him. I just found that the CRT question, I think he fumbled a bit, but I also don't blame him because most people in K-12 don't know what CRT is. Right, right. They just, because why would you? Like, I didn't know what critical race theory was until I was a doctoral student. Like, I didn't, you know, if you would have asked me as a seventh year teacher teaching science in Detroit, I'd have been like, who? Faces at the bottom of the well, Derek Bell. I don't know who that is. Like what, what, what they do. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lamont, you're 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 on one hundred percent right. Most people cannot tell you what uh, what CRT is, but then that that falls on us. That falls on the folks that know what it is. That falls okay. on the, uh, the the folks that have uh, have that are in the academy that have used it as their framework, that are well-versed in what CRT is, yeah. now breaking this down uh, for, for, for lay folks, right? Because it's not impossible for them to do. And so that we got some work to do, right? We got a whole hell of a lot of work to do. Um, shout out to my homegirl, Tanisha Williams. Uh, she is, uh, I, I think she's in the process of planning uh, the, the, the CRT summer school um, um uh, that Kimberly Crenshaw uh, is a part of. Oh, okay. And Thanks. so, um, oh, that's a thing. Yes, that was a thing oh, last summer, and it's going. I think it's going to continue this summer. But oh, uh, shout out to her. Um, 
putting in the work behind the scenes. Well, actually, not even behind the scenes. She's like in in the forefront. In the, front, in the field, yeah. And so you know, part of the part of part of that is uh, bringing grandmoms and moms in and having that conversation because I've I've had many grandmothers asking like, well, well, what is CRT? Right. Mm-hmm. And so like having those conversations with them so that you can arm them in order for them to go to school board meetings and be like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. this is what. But it's like you can't if, if you're if you're not. But like right now, it, it's basically academia centered. And so you got doc students and, 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 and folks of that ilk that can go to school board meetings and kind of handle themselves, but not really the lay folks that have kids in school. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it, I think there's two things. Right. I think. I immediately thought to myself, wow, that's good. And and what does this image do to all of the narrative around? Well, we don't have black men teachers and we and teaching. So it just was kind of like, oh, look, now y'all can be quiet. You got a black male teacher who's teacher of the year and it's a history course in a state that is often considered conservative in Ohio, right? Like one of those red, blue, you never really know what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought about what image that does and how people can use things in a way where they are uninformed to say, well, why do you need people like Brother Shirley? Why do you need black teacher institutes? Why do you need, the, you got black male teachers, they're all over the place. Look, they're on the cover of the teacher of the year program. They won, they win, they're there. And what that may do to thoughts and the narrative that we got enough of those so we don't need to invest in more. I also think too, when it comes to CRT, it's an opportunity for us to both teach people what it means and to, to do two things to be more curious and interested in the content mm. that is happening in our kids' schools. Yeah. Not just checking the homework at the top, but if it's something that doesn't feel right, going to the library, asking the teacher, and also having a responsibility as a home and a family and as a community to fill in the gaps. So yes, we want young people to see themselves in what they see in, in the material that they read, but when they don't, it's our responsibility to both be informed about what the content is, to push on it when we need to, and to fill in the gaps. We are never going to get to a place where we need to, to be, which is closer to freedom, closer to liberation, closer to autonomy, if we continue to just let other people decide what it is that we get to learn and let that be the end of the story. So many things that I've become interested in or curious about or learned about or decided to read and put in my queue have come from conversations with people who are smarter than me, who are more well-read, who are in other industries. And we can't keep relying on a building and an institution that has not served us well for 250 years to continue to be the authority on what we teach our children. Agreed. Yeah, all that. I mean, now I will say... um, H, I appreciated the way you framed that. Uh, but I also want to challenge, I saw somebody have a, a comment, uh, Lamont, I think about CRT as history. I don't, I don't understand when people say that because it's, it's simply an academic and a legal framework to understand systemic racism. CRT- I don't feel like it's old enough to be history. Not, I don't feel like it's old enough to be history. I mean, I, I'm not clear like, what, and CRT is designed to be political. It's always been political because of the construct of our legal system. Yeah. So like it hasn't become very political. It has been politicized, right? Right. So I think that this is where I take issue with things like that. And I'm not saying the brother is completely off, but like CRT, it, the 1619 Project isn't a critical race theory project. Right. No, it's a culturally, culturally relevant teaching project. Correct. Like it is baked into our understanding of culturally relevant teaching and culturally 
sustaining pedagogy and things of that nature. So I just think that even as black folks, we have to be careful with how we do this. And I've even said to people, well, why do we need to teach CRT in K-12? Like for what? Like what, <clears throat> why? Because what, what do we hope to see different through CRT? Because one of the tenets of it, as we think about the ways in which systemic racism animates itself, you don't need to use CRT to connect the dots between housing um, and all oh, those yeah. other things. Education. <laughs> yeah, like that's, that's just understanding the interconnectedness of, of society as it relates to the ways in which systemic racism uh, impacts uh, Black folks, whether we're talking infant mortality rates, uh, COVID, the prison industrial complex, the lack of Black folks in tech, or whatever we're talking about, you can tie it all together without necessarily having to utilize CRT. And I just think we take the bait when we try to do this. And I don't, I just think it, it moves away from the original intention of CRT as an academic and a legal framework to understand the ways in which systemic racism plays out in society, right? And yeah. I, I, yeah, so, I mean, I hear the brother, but CRT isn't history, like. Yeah, I, so any anybody that's struggling with, with critical race theory and what they what it is or what they perceive it is, I suggest you go to the early works of Derek Bell, read Faces at the Bottom of the Well, read some of uh, the, the early literature regards to uh, Richard Salgado, Kimberly Crenshaw, and those yes. folks that, you know, were, were involved in the initial thoughts of uh, the framework. And I think that it'll give you a better understanding of what they were trying to do. Like, of course, it's morphed over time and it's uh, it, it's brought other scholars in, like uh, uh, Adrian Dixon um, is one that comes to mind. Um, the sir that's right here, in in uh in our purview right now, sir. Uh, because, hey, hey, listen for folks in this uh, folks in this audience right now. Y'all better go go to Google Scholar and, and get knocked out your socks, Doctor Robert Simmons. Come on, out uh, here playing what? these games. What? He ain't gonna do it himself because he's shy. But I ain't. <laughs> I appreciate you, brother. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Yes, yeah. sir. Um. Okay, we got a question. Uh, no, that's not a question. Course, and challenge them on it through research. I question what examples they speak of. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also will sometimes when I'm talking to people who may not, you know, be in higher ed, you know, my mom, family members, friends, rather than have them think deeply about what critical race theory is, I may ask them, so what systems are in place in this problem? That's right. Oh, okay. Right? What systems yeah. are so yeah. if a black person and a white person both put the same kind of house for sale yeah. with the same square footage in the same neighborhood, but the yeah. black house comes in $200,000 less of an God, asking price than the white it. question, then, then the white house, it. you may say, what systems might be at play there? Listen, let me tell you something. Because that's a framing. Hey, hey I, I listen, I'm a very authentic person, right? And, and, and I love all people. Uh, uh, but I have a set of white friends to stand in when I get ready to sell any house I own. <laughs> I ain't mad at you. Right. So that, you're being resourceful and that's fine. But again, the fact that you have to, that, that you recognize 
there is something bigger than how beautiful and the taupe right. that's on the wall yeah. that is going to influence how people see this home and what it means for me and yeah. how quickly I can sell it means yeah. something. So what's I got, I got Asian friends too because they hey in certain in certain places they could boost the market up too. What what systems are at play here? <laughs> hey, listen. Doc, did you just write that question down? I did. <laughs> did you know I'm hey, a, you know, I'm, he, you, hey, you know how did you say that thing the other day? Okay, yep, that's it. All right, peace, fam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, how do you say that? Because yeah. I, Listen, and, and the thing for me is, is growing up as a kid of a, of a librarian where my mother used to always talk about one of the greatest acts of defiance that you can do as a black person is read. That's right. Right. And yeah. learn to read yeah. because it was illegal and people paid the ultimate price to teach us to read and our ancestors. And then when they figured out that you knew how to read, like <coughs> you were dangerous. Right. And, yeah. and like, I just, for me, I just think there's power in the word, right? And the way that, uh, you know, like I'm always amazed at how the two of you string together critical thoughts. And I'm always like, what? let me write that down. Cause I, I just appreciate the power of word. And like, as someone who grew up uh, in Detroit, Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church with Reverend Dr. Frederick Sampson listed as one of the top 25 black preachers of all time, like, the ways in which Dyson talks about his training from Frederick Sampson, the ways in which Brittany Cooper uh, lets the word capture uh, what it means to be uh, a black feminist. Like I, I just find power in those words. And I just think as black folks, it's important for us to understand uh, uh, the, the, the ways in which words uh, give us power. You know, listen, listen so, I got a question for y'all. This might get a little controversial, right? But I've, I've been meaning to have this discussion. So let's say, so about 9% of Black people, 9% of Black people make up the teaching force. That's 2% Black males, and that's about 7% Black females. Mm. But yet, when you see these unions caping, right? You would never be able to tell that because every black woman that's in existence in teaching ends up being on the front lines. And you would think that it was 80 percent black women that were a part of this union that mm -hmm. is protecting the white middle class. Let's call it what it is. Right. And, and so my question is, we about right, to get in trouble. Prior to Brown, there were black teachers unions that fought for the needs of black folks, which are not the same needs as white women or whatever, right? And, and I'll give a perfect example from what H was talking about earlier yeah. when we talk about uh uh when we talk about um black infertility, black health, black female health care, right? Black female health care is different from female healthcare, right? I feel like the research supports that there's a lot more infant mortality for black women than it is any other women. Am I off here? No. Okay. Oh, and so and, and so in saying that, right? Even in healthcare when when you have a union, a union fights for healthcare, fights for working conditions, fights for all these types of things. If you had a black 
teachers union, it would be a different type or a different element of what is being fought for, right? Because like, I don't think these unions are thinking about, oh, well, you know, there's a, there's high infant mortality amongst black women when we go in and negotiate these contracts. Hmm. I mean, y'all know I have a love-hate relationship with unions, right? Because I think sometimes we, um, and I agree, right? I think there are moments where I see the things that teachers unions are doing and I'm just like, what? Like that doesn't make sense. And I remember being a, a young teacher and um, <clears throat> thinking to myself where the union rep in our building came to me and said, oh, you can leave now. Like, I don't know why you're still here. And I was like, what do you mean? Well, you know, according to the contract, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but my my students need my help. So why are you getting paid by the administration? No, but my students need help. So like, what what do you want me to do? And for me, it was at that moment that I began to question the motives of the union. Like, well... I'm doing what's right. for, And I became a pariah to some teachers that were strong in the union because I would stay after school because the kids needed help. And I'm like, well, what? I don't understand. Right now, I think the history of unions, teachers unions, I won't get into the history of labor unions, but the history of teachers unions, the majority of teachers unions, teachers unions came to prominence in the 50s in the West and the Midwest. They've never been a big thing in the South for a whole host of reasons, politically and economics and all these other things, right? Um, And in Detroit, the teachers, there was a guy named Steve Kahn who used to run for president of the Detroit Federation of Teachers every year, right? And I used to always ask my uh, former students that went to Cass Technical High School, I used to be like, "Is is he actually a good teacher? They like, oh, Simmons like, He's staying outside in his doorway talking to the teachers about union stuff and less time teaching us. And I was like, oh, well, what what are we doing, right? And so I just think that, you know, a Black teachers union would be fascinating to me because I also understand how the union in general, right, in particular growing up in Detroit, impacted the Black middle class. Um, so I actually found my grandfather's, uh, for my nephew, I found his, um, union card from when he was working at Ford Motor Company. Cause my nephew came in second place in this like social studies contest. Cause he was telling the story of black folks and the auto unions. Right. And so I found it fascinating, but you know, I mean, I won't get into my thoughts on the DC teachers union, DC, yes, whatever it is, but I'll admit when I had to run charter schools, I actually enjoyed my autonomy and freedom to not have to navigate some of the rules that I just felt like, well, I didn't understand, right? And again, I'm not suggesting you don't need a teacher's union. Like I'm not that far uh, out there. I am. Ray, Ray is. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not that far out there because I think that there has to be a check and balances to administrators who are power hungry. Right. Like what what is the what is the control mechanism for a administrator who has a vendetta against me as a teacher 
because I do want to talk about race in my school. And if I'm teaching about, if I don't want to teach 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, got lost and committed genocide <laughs> and never actually made it to America. Uh, but that's another story. But, but like, if I don't have the union and collective bargaining, it's easier for that administrator to fire me. And that's always my perpetual dilemma. So H I'm putting you here. This is a really good question. And I'm putting this on you. What percent of the 9% would be interested in the black teacher union or have assimilated into the current union? Yeah. You know, I, I immediately thought to myself, well, I also, we talk about the number of black teachers. I always wonder what population of black and brown students do we have in the classrooms, right? Like where, give me the students. I, I want to see all the data. I want to know how many black teachers we got, how many black administrators we have, how many black students and families are in schools and satisfied with these schools. Forget how they're performing, just stop at there. You know That's me. Right. That's right. Also, when I think about union, just like Doc, my personal experiences <laughs> were positive ones. I knew that pe there were things that teachers were supposed to do. And, and part of the reason, in full transparency, part of the reason why I experienced challenges as a leader was because I would never, I would allow people to do what the contract stated. And then the others of us who were committed to doing whatever it took would continue to do whatever it took. <clears throat> so if unions are fighting, I want teachers to be happy. I want them to have good working conditions. I want them to have livable wages. I want them to have professional development and PD. I want them to have pipelines to grow. I want all of that. But what I don't want and to do that, I have to be a good administrator. I got to know content. I got to give feedback. I got to listen to them. I got to realize that they are a key stakeholder in every single decision that happens in my building all the time. It's interesting what you said about Black women, because if I think about every school I've been in, be it as a, as a teacher or a school leader, there was always a Black woman who was the president of the teacher junior, the building rep for that particular thing. What? Everyone. Ah, I, I'm not every single and, one. And, 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 and every and, and I will garner to say, every one of them was trash in the classroom. <laughs> Maybe not all of them. One of them was my teaching partner, and she was legit. Shout out to Miss Hawkins from AMB. She was amazing, but she also lived in the community, attended the school, was a teacher there and cared about math and science when nobody would. So she was a staple of that school community. And, okay, and, and so she was- shout, shout out to her, shout out to her. Shout out like, to Olivia Hawkins. But, but what, 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 I, what I will say is this, the majority of them, that majority of folks that are rah, rah, union, union, rah, rah, union, union, are trash, trash, trash. <laughs> well, here's my question. What systems are at play there? Why are they trash? Why do good teachers who mean it, mean, mean, meaning so so here I always thought of it like this, right? I never really needed a union because I was coming to do my job, right? And I was gonna go above and beyond doing my job because my calling is for kids. My calling wasn't like let me read this union contract and see how much I can get away with. Let me read this union contract to see how much I don't have to do, right? Because anybody that goes into education knows that education is just not an eight to two thirty job. That's right. right education is a 24 seven job. And so while you're doing it, it's like, you got to give your all. And some of the things that are going to happen when you are a really good educator is that your health is going to suffer. 
your mental capacity is going to suffer because you're going to be taking home shit with you that you would never have had to deal with if you weren't working in a school. You're going to be taking home problems that you encounter in those schools because you care about those kids, right? And so to say that my workday is cutting, my workday is cutting off at 2.30 or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not even really, it's not even really a fair assessment of the work. I get it, but it makes me think about the other thing we're going to talk about, and maybe we can cue this up, is there also are too many things that we're asking teachers to do that are ridiculous and a waste of time. And so if... Yeah, so we can cue this up. I I don't, you know, I'm, I'm staying silent on this because do your job. Sure, do your job, but what's your job? It ain't to write. Students will be able to on the board. It certainly is not. It certainly I- is not. I you know, never understood that. Like, well, here's the thing. what does that have to do with anything? So we we also have administrators and districts and systems that are asking teachers to do some incredibly ridiculous things instead right. like of what? like what? Like what? Made a list. So the first thing, <clears throat> taking attendance is right. always inaccurate. It's never right. Somebody's in the bathroom. Somebody in the office has to redo it. It's problematic. We need better systems to take accurate attendance so that teachers are not sitting up there doing like this, wasting instructional time. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen. So, so I'm a I'm a comment on this. You're right. You lose about five minutes. If you're good and high quality, but if you're not and new, it could be a long time. Don't do that. No, 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 no. Mean, meaning, no, meaning that five minutes is a lot of time to lose in a forty-minute block. You not got thirty-five minutes. If you're good. That's if yeah. you're good and know your yeah. kids, and yeah, you don't yeah. have eight different. That's too much. Yeah. All right. What's two? Oh, my second paperwork packets. Sending home packs of paper for kids to do stuff over spring break and a three-day weekend. Nobody grading that. Put together a high-quality project that's going to engage, talk to the family, do something. Hey, that's, on that's, that's a waste on, of teaching that's on, that's, on, that's, on, that's on the teacher. Because you you should you should have data. You should have data on your kids. And so, for for example, for us, right? I'll take I'll take us as an example. We have interim assessments, and we have standards that we have had the whole year. And so we know what you've mastered and what you haven't mastered. And so during our breaks, we send home packets that are specifically geared towards things that students have not mastered so that they can get practice on on those types of things. We're not doing anything that's not going to be graded. We're not going to do anything that's like not meaningful because, you know, they do the same thing when they assign homework. Like you assign homework and then I bring it in and you give me a check. Well, you pissed off. Like you're not even giving me feedback on it. Right. So, and, and if someone is creating a work packet that is specific to the student's needs, that is accessible for them to do and that will get feedback and get graded, and not just it's about to be the day before Easter and I'm not going to be here. Let me get a work packet. That's a waste of time. Here's my next one. And I know you're probably not going to like this one either. So I wrote it so I can say it right. Printing off lesson plans and putting them in that white three ring binder nice. for your administrator to come in your classroom and look at that binder. Stop wasting paper and stop wasting trees. When I come in a classroom, oh, I don't want to see no binder. I want to see high quality teaching and learning. That's right. I've been but, in enough but, coach but, so, 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 okay. So I want to see high quality instruction as well, right? But I also want to know before I go into the classroom, right? What types of things, what are you teaching for that week? But I know that because I have a Google Docs system set up to where that's being shared and already know what you're teaching before I go into the class. 
Right. And so if you, but if you have something on that Google Doc, and I walk into your class, and it's not the same thing that you're teaching, then we're gonna have to have a conversation about how. Oh, this but, why? but why? But what happened? But why? It's different if the you if I don't want a teacher to print off the whole curriculum guide and yeah. put it in a white binder on the side yeah. just so yeah. that when I'm being evaluated or somebody's doing my room yeah. check, they yeah. can. Check. That's a waste of time. I didn't. I didn't have Google Drives, but I was in. Planning meetings for early yeah. childhood. Of course, of course. Yeah. yeah, I knew what we were doing. Yeah. So when I went in, I knew what we were supposed to do. But we're yeah. talking about things that unions and, te- and admins sometimes ask teachers to do. that are a waste of time. That's not helping teaching. It's okay. Not helping so I get, I get that, right? But and, and Rob, you, you're like, why, right? Because I, I get, I get what you're saying. I get where you you're just trust the teachers or whatever. But like some folks are on pacing guides, right? And so if you're on a pacing guide and the classroom across the hall is 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 at a certain place and the the planning that goes into it is kind of situated on everybody being at the same place at the same time then if i go in one person's classroom and it's not like mirroring what's happening in the other person's classroom then i have to ask questions because now but, sure but, but you that presupposes but that presupposes that something doesn't happen that I need to deviate from. And there needs to be a level of professional trust because yeah. if not, then we can't say we believe in culturally relevant pedagogy because culturally relevant pedagogy yeah. allows teachers the freedom and the professional trust. And I get it. Like not all teachers yeah. have that, but if, if something happens at home or if mm-hmm. something is in the news or yeah. some, something in context I believe the teachers should be given the uh, freedom to understand, because if not, then school becomes like a machine and then people need to go back and reread uh, Pedagogy of the Press, uh, Press by Freddie. Like, like that, that type of education is very mechanical. And, it, and, it, and, and I just think the freedom and the creativity and the beauty of that type of teaching speaks to me. But I hear what you're saying. Listen, but I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. But like yeah. that makes that makes for that makes for a better conversation, right? Yeah. And so if I that make that that's a part of the conversation that I'm talking about, right? So it's not a punitive conversation, but it's a conversation that's letting me know that hey, listen, this is what happened, and this is why I ventured off or whatever. So it's yeah. not punitive. It's just letting me know that hey, these things happen because I want to know those things as well, right? Sure. And but so, you're an amazing administrator who's not going to come in the person's classroom and yeah. just see them and just assume that just because they no. see a white binder that says lesson plans that they doing what they're supposed to be doing. But not everybody is that way. And that's why, that's that's where teachers want to, especially those that have a critical perspective about the world and in the world, they're like, well, okay, that's cool. And that may be Ankrum's role and how he gets down, but principal, superintendent, assistant principal, whoever, administrator, they may not get down like that. They may come in. But you also... But also, right, in a, in, a, in a well-run school, what should yeah, be yeah. happening is that you have teachers that are turning lesson plans in early. You have coaches that are giving them feedback on the lessons. And it's it's a it's it's a dialogue. It's an ongoing dialogue, right? Because your lesson plan should be a living document, and you should always be tweaking it in order to make it better, right? So like, what you will see is you'll see folks that recycle lesson plans every year, and they're doing the same lessons, right? Because the union allows them to be able to do that. And, and it's not like you're teaching the same kids like these the, the kids that kids that we had 10 years ago are not the same kids that we have now these sure. kids now have ghost guns so. I agree. 
So my, my next one is these old school 15 minute conferences, waste of time. That whole 15 minutes you have from 11 to 11.15, 11.30 11.45, a little sign up sheet. Anybody, any teacher who is not having a conversation, an ongoing conversation with students and families where they are looking at work, looking at data, identifying where students have grown, talking to them, mm -hmm. giving them practice. If it's not an APTT meeting, shout out to Flamboyant and Academic Partnering, that 15 minute sign up on my Google Doc and come in and here's their folder, take all their work and rush out. He's doing really well. It's a waste of time. Now, I if he's doing really well, you shouldn't even be at my meeting. If he's doing really well, I still want you at my meeting because I want you to, to talk to me about how he can continue to do well. And he might be doing well academically, but not have a lot of friends at recess. Well, he can have a lot of friends at recess and enjoy math, but not want to participate in music and still needs that grade. We're going to have an in-depth, meaningful, data-driven, student-centered conversation mm -hmm. about the student and about teaching and learning, which is not 15 minutes on a sheet of paper that's taped to a desk outside of my classroom door for parents to drop in and have a conversation at a conference. That's a waste of time. Oh, I see you, H. You hold, you hold in court. I see you. Sorry, what, I what, else, what, what else on your list? And my last item, and I, I hope that this one's not. So them field trip packets. That 50-page field trip packet where you got to include the lesson plan and the permission slip and the milk allergy and it's all got to be bundled and the extra copy. That's a waste of time. I know, I know I'm know. i not saying I want little kids to go and get lost and thank God I never lost a kid at the zoo on the metro or none of that. But we're talking about things that we often as administrators ask teachers to do that is a waste of time. That field trip, I'm not looking at that field trip packet. I'm going to sign it and say, go on, have a good time. Come back with everybody you took with you. And we're going to keep it moving. It's a waste of time. Sorry. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, hey. So, all right. I hope you're feeling better about your list. And I remember that was the title of the show. So, I'm glad you were able to get it in. Uh, I don't really. Content, so, that was my content. I don't really disagree with uh, much of the <laughs> things that you said. Uh, Ray believe in that fifty-page packet for the uh, field trips. Yes, do. I so, bet he look at every so, single one. Of them. Yeah. So, so, so here, here, here's my thing, right? I'm not. So I'm not an overly. Uh, I'm not an overly paper kind of guy. Uh, I actually, I think one of the best things that uh, an administrator could do is several times a year unplug the printers because that's when you see who's creative and who's not, right? When you don't have an package ah. to go to. So that's another tip. He's dropping gems tonight. He didn't told the people. And so, and so unplug, unplug that printer and, 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 and put, it, put it out of order. And then do your do your walk-arounds or whatever. And then you will see who's teaching and working that out. Them teachers right. will be in the counselor's office trying Absolutely. to print all the lesson plans on them little itty bitty one sheet. One hundred percent. Hey, hey, you'll see, you'll start seeing them uh, them GoFundmes for uh for, for, <laughs> for, for personal personal classroom printers oh. or whatever, right? <laughs> then the ne the next thing the next thing right uh because the age came out with her list and we running over but it's all good. Listen, um, no teachers. I'm ba I banned I, last year. I did a soft ban on teachers pay teachers, right? Because you have folks going out getting lesson plans from teachers pay teachers. I'm like, hell, if 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 we get lesson plans from teachers pay teachers, then I want those teachers. I don't want you. <laughs> like, what, 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 why am I paying you to be creative for you to go out and pay somebody else? Like, what? Get out of here. I want them. 
<laughs> so we did a soft ban on teachers pay teachers, right? Because uh, half half of that shit was bullshit anyway. It was racist and like all the all of these racist problematic lessons that were being taught across the country That's in right. terms of slavery, in terms of reenacting slavery, in terms of all this stuff. All that shit came from teachers pay teachers, right? And so shout out to them for keeping it all racist. <laughs> Ray clearly don't have no stock in yeah. teachers pay teachers. No, no, what systems are in place there? What systems oh. are in place there? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I don't What's know. on your list, right? So, teachers pay teachers, shit, that, it's like Airbnb. You can just do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but other than that, I'm good, man. I, I, I feel, I feel good. I'm glad we're back, man. We, uh, you know, tighten these people up. I love it. All right, closing thoughts. H, starting with you. I am encouraging people to take care of themselves, to create space, to to breathe, to relax, to rest, and to maintain your boundaries. If it doesn't feel good to you, you don't owe anybody an explanation. No is enough. Mm. Ooh, that's a word. Sir? My my final word is uh, making sure that uh, folks are going to the doctor. Um because I know I'm going tomorrow and uh, you know, I just think it's important because we're at a critical point in our lives and you get to, you know, that next, that next step is fitting. That's right. You know, and uh, I know I want to do better. And uh, you know, I would just encourage, cause I, I told, told my 11 year old, I want to see you play basketball in high school, whether it's little, whether it's intramural pick up on the team, whatever. I want to see you still hooping. And in order for me to do that and be somewhat competitive, at least for, for the next few years, got to be healthy. And I just think that uh, as black folks, we need to do our colonoscopies. We need to get our blood pressure checked. We need to quit eating all that damn uh, hip hop chicken and waffles or whatever it is here in DC. Um, <laughs> and I love their chicken and their fries, but I haven't had it in uh, three years. Um, yeah, so like I've literally stopped eating it. So just want to name that because I worry about a lot of my friends yeah. who uh, I'm finding out, you know, are just struggling with their health. And, uh, you know, we should be in a village and a community to support each other. So uh, go to the doctor, you know, all them things. So, yeah. Yeah, so along that same vein, man, I, I'm I'm gonna say the same thing. My name as well. Uh, I went to my doctor yesterday, and um, <clears throat> my doc black. You know, it's, it's real hard to find black male doctors or whatever. Um, happens to be one of my fraternity brothers, but like he only has uh, office hours on uh, Mondays and Fridays, and he's backed up uh, for months, right? Yeah. Because uh, he's a really good doctor, and he's in real high demand, right? And so. Uh, for the last couple of years because of COVID, uh, a lot of folks in our community and probably in all communities haven't been getting the appointments at mm -hmm. a frequent rate due to the fact that uh, hospitals have been overburdened uh, with folks that have been diagnosed with COVID, folks that have been on respirators, folks that have been uh, um, experiencing all kinds of different ailments from this uh, unknown disease that we've encountered <laughs> for the past couple of years. And so my challenge to folks is to take back command of your health, make sure that you are setting up appointments with your with your doctors uh, in order to uh, take back control over your health. Because, you know, these past two years, 
have been a lot of struggle uh, in terms of you know the things that you've been eating, um, you know the 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 mental uh, space and uh, just your mental space. Uh, you know, to quote um, uh, Marshawn Lynch, you got to protect your mentals. Right, you're not. <laughs> you gotta protect your mentals, man. Mm-hmm. And so that's the space that I'm in. And so for folks out here, make sure you're getting your 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 uh you're going to see a dentist. You're getting your cleanings because your oral health affects the rest of your health. Uh, make sure that you know you you have people that are around you that love you that you know tell that will uh notice differences in you or whatever that can then uh make you yeah. go and 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 uh. And, and go to the doctor, right? And so make sure that you know you're, you're surrounded, surrounded with people that love you. So that's it for us. We'll be back next week. <laughs> is running the show. She's she's head of content. Nope. <laughs> H is I do think we should have some some medical some black medical professionals on because I think it is about taking control of the choices we make and having appointments but it also is about practicing having those conversations like i'm not always i don't really often know what i'm supposed to ask or what i'm supposed to expect because yeah. those i'm not having a daily weekly monthly conversation with the person yeah and yeah. my doctor so i bet i'm sure that there's some black nurses yeah dr wilson yeah you can just give us some tips on yeah, how to engage in those conversations i'm writing things down like i went in shit i had more questions than him yeah, that's good. That's good. That's, that's right. So, that's right. So I had to. I had to. Air, I had to air out CVS, man. They ain't, they ain't looking too tidy up in there. I had to put a video out on them today. Come on, uh, more of that, and we'll see what happens. More changes, more accountability. Yeah. That's right. That's right. All right, folks, protect your mentals. We'll see you next week. <laughs>